0: KYW original podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. Distilleries across PA are shifting operations from making the alcohol you drink to the kind you rub on your hands to kill COVID-19. Robert Castle is co-founder of the New Liberty Distillery in South Kensington. He is also president of the Pennsylvania Distillers Guild. Robert, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thanks for uh, bringing me on board and let me talk about our initiative.
0: Well, so what do you usually make?
1: Normally, um, myself, we're normally doing predominantly whiskey with a little bit of uh, rum, vodka, and liqueurs. So this is uh, definitely a gear shift for us, but um, you know I think distilleries are uniquely equipped to be able to step up and uh, help out.
0: So how did you get this idea, and what are you doing here?
1: You know I would say honestly the uh, the idea really I, I applaud uh, Chad Butters from Eight Oaks of really kind of leading the initial charge and making the quick pivot to help out first responders in his area, um, and then from there. You know, a lot of other guys, including myself, we're all trying to do small amounts to help out. So I think there was a a great opportunity for the Distillers Guild to do a massive lift. And so one of the key things that we're really trying to do is um, get as many people as possible up to speed to do really large volumes. Um, Right now, everybody's helping out with a a good amount here and there, Um, but we're trying to get up to speed so that within the next two weeks, Across the state, we can be putting out almost a half a million bottles a day of hand sanitizer.
0: How many distilleries are in on this?
1: Um, So I will say is there is initially within the next two weeks, we're looking to have 21 that are on board doing full, large production batches to meet the state's demand. Um, But we I would say there's an email thread between all of us. That's probably about 130 at the moment. And so the the idea is that however long the COVID-19 crisis goes, we're going to continue every 48 hours to onboard um, another four distilleries per region. So we're starting with Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, and Philadelphia, and then every 48 hours bringing on more distilleries and more distilleries and more distilleries. And um, it's been a great effort. I mean, honestly, contributions of guys like, you know, John George at Five Oaks out in Norristown, mm-hmm. Barry Young out in uh, Boyd and Blair Vodka in Pittsburgh. I mean, those guys were actually former pharmacists. And so we've been able to utilize their previous skill sets to make sure that our formulation and methods of production were in compliance with, you know, what was required to to meet the process. So you know, it's been able to really a big lift and everybody pulling together to make things happen, I think really shows that that spirit is alive and well um, here in the Commonwealth.
0: Now, we, we, we were supposed to do this interview like an hour, my gosh, maybe a couple of hours ago, right? And because your phone has been ringing off the hook, we've pushed it back. So you've been crazy busy. And you told me you got off the phone, you were even talking to the state this morning. So can you tell me what's developed even since we spoke yesterday?
1: Yeah, I would say the development changes Mm -hmm. every two or three hours. (laughs) Some of the nice things that we have going on, I would say, honestly, developments that have come from our local state uh, senators, representatives, and U.S. congressmen and women. I mean, you have some people that have just been amazing standouts um, that have helped out with on the regulatory side. Like I will say, um, Congresswoman Scanlon, I'd probably talk to her via email or text or something four times a day about how else can I help? What's the next battle that's out there? Um, she's the one that's been standout amazing. Um, you know, Senator Killian has really done great stuff with helping us as well as Senator Hughes, um, Brendan Boyle. I mean, Senator Toomey's office. I mean, really, you're seeing bipartisan people making Big, big efforts um, in their respective areas to make all of this happen and come together. Um, and for what we're doing as the guild to be able to pull this together and have that type of support from the people that truly are representing us as Pennsylvanians, I think is not something you come across very often. And with the more recent news, polarizing political news cycles, I think I think it's just a really great thing to see people find common ground do what's best for the need in the crisis and just move forward together. I mean, it's just I I think it's something that you aspire about or read about in a textbook um, about how these things are supposed to work. And I would say right now you're seeing them do that. And it's, it's an amazing thing.
0: Yeah. You I mean, this is a huge undertaking. It's not just switching over your operations. It's getting this kind of done across the board because, you don't. It's not just a matter of you want to make hand san- sanitizer, so you're going to go ahead and do it, right? You, you. There are things that you needed to take care of to get, I guess, approval to do that.
1: Correct. And this is the part where, again, like you know, as our Distillers Guild and as an organization, we're doing this free of charge. You know, the contracts that we're doing to the state to fulfill the state. Um, You know, we have some levels of funding to help us offset the cost of labor and raw material purchases. But otherwise, it's going directly to the Department of Health, first responders, the hospitals, the people who need it. And we're not charging a dime of profit.
0: So how much money is this going to cost to get this going?
1: You know, initially, it's just a matter of kind of scaling things up. I mean, we've had um, organizations like PIDC here in Philadelphia that have been amazing at stepping, stepping up and finding uh, a way of financing for us that helps us get through this process and make these initial big purchases. But from a cost perspective, I mean, you know, it's 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 not bad. The implications. I mean, putting a number to it is kind of hard to me, me to say right now because. Every 15 minutes, I get new inquiries in about dire needs of World Health Organization-approved hand in
0: Really? Who's, who's calling you? Who's calling you asking you about that?
1: Hospitals from all over the state, the region, um, Amazon. I mean, as crazy as that sounds. Um, we've had inquiries from uh, police, fire, Grocery stores who are in dire need, of people who are critical businesses and opening and helping those that aren't sick still get food. Um, so there is just everyone and anybody just constantly keeps pouring in. And at the moment, you know, I'm really trying to, to be able to communicate to the Department of Health, take everyone's needs into account. Like, hey, give me what your daily and weekly needs are, and we're going to find a way to help you.
0: So you talked about. um, a formula, uh, the WHO. I think you said a WHO-approved formula. So you're not putting this together on your own. You're using it. You have a, you have a specific uh, ingredient list here. Yeah.
1: So the World Health Organization publishes uh, an ingredient formula guide to put out there, and all of us in our facilities have that are doing this um, project have gone through the state, reg- the federal registration process with FDA in compliance with this formula to be able to put out there. Um, The interesting part in terms of why I think we're really well-equipped is, on a normal basis, we have to measure alcohol to the degree of 0.01% ABV. The margin of error that's required for the World Health Organization is 5.0. So we do multiples and multiples more on a regular basis of how we have to measure alcohol. So that's what makes us, I think, very well-equipped to be able to do a transition making this product to fit the the public health need.
0: How um, complicated is it? I mean, I'm thinking before the the COVID pandemic hit, you were in the process of making what you normally make, the vodkas, the whiskeys. So what does this involve? Because I'm thinking you would have to get that out of your production line, out of your system before you can kind of switch over to make this. Yeah,
1: and that's actually what a lot of us have been doing. We've been in the thought process of kind of like phasing down a little bit of stuff. And we can actually afford to do that in the most part right now. And I, and only because uh, the public has been really great about going to all, our, all of our micro distilleries online stores and buying their product from there while the PLCB stores are closed. That's actually allowed us to get means of revenue to be able to continue to be open and do an initiative like this. So what we normally would have been shipping to a state PLCB store, people buying directly from us on our online stores has been really, really supportive. I mean, often everybody touts about support local, it helps support local, it helps. This is really coming full circle. I mean, people buying even a single bottle off of our websites and then in turn, that keeps us going to be able to do this public service need for free.
0: So you, you've, you're you manufacturing it, but then there's the, the part where you need to get it where it needs to go when you're talking about quite a lot of hand sanitizer. So how does that work?
1: Well, so that's actually a great part when you look at mobilization between multiple government entities. Um, the U.S. Postal Service is in dire need of it. They have they're willing to come pick up at a moment's notice when we have it. Pennsylvania Department of Health, I cannot be more complimentary about those logistics people. Uh, I you know, I tell them that there's even a chance of when something can be picked up. I mean, they are responsive within five minutes and ready to pick up within hours um, to be able to fill the need in the pipeline. So you're kind of seeing not only the mobilization that we're doing as a small craft industry in Pennsylvania, but how you're seeing that just seep out through all other different entities to be able to get this in the hands that it needs to be.
0: This has also got to make you gotta give you some relief to know that you are able to keep your employees employed on you know, keep them on the payroll.
1: I would say it allows us to keep those people on payroll and people that are in under other industries like the restaurant industries right now that are just totally shut down. It actually allows us to not only keep our staff moving, but allows us to bring in those other people and give them some level of compensation to help make ends meet.
0: So how many people then, extra people, are you hiring and, and are you done hiring or there's still positions open?
1: Oh, we haven't even started yet. I mean, I would say at any one facility, depending on our, our rate of manufacture, you're talking you know, maybe 20 to 24 people per distillery.
0: So if if I'm an um, out-of-work out of restaurant worker, how do I go about uh, applying for a job with you or any of the distilleries, really?
1: I would honestly say the best way to do that would be email in through our Pennsylvania Distillers Guild website.
0: And what's so that the, address? Yeah.
1: So the web address for people to go to is padistillersguild.com.
0: So you mentioned, I mean, the one thing you mentioned that this did hurt your business when the state stores closed, this hurt your business as well. So it's allowing you to keep your employees employed and to hire more people. But if somebody wants to contribute to the cause by buying online, how would they do that?
1: So each one of the individual distilleries, um, we have, most of us have online stores. So for instance, my company, you can go on to newlibertydistillery.com. And there's a button for shop. You go right in as a Pennsylvania resident. You can order online and have it delivered direct to your doorstep. Okay.
0: And so you're you're covered. You're not making any money from this though.
1: From doing the hand sanitizer. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. So are you kind of depending on those sales to keep you going, or at least do, do you have your costs covered for all these people you're paying, and for the the um, the materials?
1: Yeah, we're, we're getting our costs covered for it, for the materials and the basic parts of the bottling labor. Um, but, yeah, the normal overhead of our business, the only way we're able to support that is from people buying on our online stores.
0: Okay. So I just yeah. want to be clear that I have that I understand this correctly. Um, you're trying to get different cities online. You're kind of phasing this in, and eventually you'd like to have as many as 130. So you haven't actually started production yet, have you, or?
1: Anybody that started production has been um, just getting, getting off the ground and doing small batches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for us at New Liberty, we've only done super small stuff so far. The same way um, my friend Tim at Maggie's Farm Rum in Pittsburgh, you know, he's been distilling stuff off. And I will say, you, you want to talk about a major lift? When you have the fire department come into a distillery to bottle hand sanitizer for their own use, that is when you know um, everybody is really desperate, and you can find that going on at a distillery like Tim's in Pittsburgh.
0: In Pittsburgh. Um,
1: yeah. So you find things like this throughout of all stories, and so the intent of this is to take all of our existing things that all of us are doing in pure donation, because um, I will say, it's because everybody's giving it away as the hand sanitizer, it's a lot of financial risk for our small businesses, but it's as Pennsylvanians, it's what we think is the right thing to do. Um, and we could not do that without the support of people buying super small amount of those bottles. But yeah, I mean, anybody who's interested in doing a donation, the Pennsylvania Distillers Guild is a, a non-profit, so it's not like it's going to nothing. Um, and it all helps, all goes directly back into mm-hmm. this. Um, our contracts and proposals to the state strictly state that We're not in this to make money. We have full transparency on what we spend on all of our cost of goods to the state. They know exactly what it is. Um, And in some instances where it's way too expensive for us to even front the money, they're paying for the raw material for us. And then um, we kind of go from there. So it's been an enormous, enormous mobilization across multiple agencies.
0: Have you heard from um, Curious Philadelphia Fire Police um EMS workers.
1: Um, I actually have heard from some. Um, not all of them. I will say I uh I almost when I was pulling into my apartment last night, there was a cop car outside and I almost wanted to knock on the guy's window and give him a bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> but I thought that might be a little creepy at like nine <laughs> o'clock on a Philly street abandoned Philly street. Uh.
0: <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, I think they're really going to appreciate it because, as you said, they they need it. These are the people who don't have access to soap and water and they're out dealing with the public.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I will say whoever the uh, police officer that was parked on uh, Front Street in Old City last night, uh, if he gets a knock on the window, it's not a creepy guy. I'm just trying to be helpful.
0: <laughs> Come on back. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Robert, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for all you're doing. This is really an amazing effort.
1: No, thank you so much. And look, we could not do it without the support of everybody. And I think what we can do on a state level can really have a major, major impact. And, you know, it's the type of stuff that, you know, you hear about your grandparents. Used to have happen World War II, you know, of where private industry tried to help out the general public need, and um, it's a different type of crisis and a different animal we're facing. And but I think you're seeing that spirit um, still alive, and everybody doing their best to make their contributions.
0: Well, I think you'll make the history books, don't you think? When the country pulled together to fight the COVID nineteen virus, I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll be mentioned. <laughs>
1: Through the history books, let's just get past it.
0: <laughs> All right, that's right, let's make it history. All right, yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. Robert. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, have a good
0: one. You too, take care. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.